John chapter 5. Let's dismiss our children to children's ministry. John chapter 5 is where we'll be this morning. Glad you're here. Um, several have gone on vacation, back from vacation. Some are still going. And we're taking a, a group of 20-something uh, to Murfreesboro, Tennessee for camp next week. And we do want you to pray with us and for us for God to work. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, case for camp tonight and the significance and importance of that and just how you can pray. And uh, we're glad you're here. Glad that the Brocks are here. Uh, Pastor Brock, Pastor hey. Light of Calvary for, what, 40 years? 47. It just seemed like 40 years, you said. And then just, yeah. uh, Brother Brock was a great uh, uh, help. God used him to to uh, help us on this platform. He and his son pulled this together to have it ready back several years ago, have it ready for Easter Sunday. And, uh, and got here and pulled our ox out of the ditch and we're forever grateful and thankful for that and just did a wonderful work and appreciate so very much. I don't ever see this without remembering just what they did in a time of crisis and need and great, very grateful. John chapter number five. You have it. Let's stand together, please, out of respect for the reading, preaching of the Bible. Notice, if you would, please, verse number one. The Bible says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And here's the reason why. Verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man which was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, we were just told thirty-eight years at least, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Drop down to verse 14. Afterward, Jesus findeth him, this man who was made whole in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Here in these verses, very descriptive, and I hope you get the imagery. We were in Bible lands back a couple of months ago at the uh, end of March and going into April, and we actually got to see this place in John chapter 5, and they had just recently discovered some layers of this and were able to actually see where these five porches would have been in this pool of Bethesda here. Here Jesus, the Bible says, comes up on a multitude, 
multitude, more than what we have here this morning. Multitude of people who had needs, all kinds of needs. And the Bible says, yet Jesus had an encounter with one man. And this one man's life and eternity changed. And so can yours. I believe Jesus is still asking the same question. And Jesus is still able to produce the same transformation. But it's going to take you and I making the same decision. I'm going to ask you the same question Jesus asked. Do you want to be made whole? Then ask if you want to be helped. We get people who stop in. Pastor, no doubt you had people stop in. Said, I need some help. We all need help. I'm glad Jesus is not just a helper, he's a healer. He wants to make your soul that sin sick whole. Will you let Jesus this morning make you whole? Thank you. Please be seated. Many years ago, and this will date some, some of us in here. But many years ago, there was a commercial set of commercials that came out that was advertising a particular product. Life Call was the name of the company. It was advertising a product that was simply a pendant. It can be worn around the, the neck or the wrist. And in case of an emergency, the wearer could press the button and be placed into contact with emergency assistance. Well, in the course of these advertisements and commercials, there was a lady whose name was Mrs. Fletcher. And she was the woman who portrayed the victim of an unfortunate collapse in the bathroom. And she became very famous, not because of her great acting abilities, but because of that line she's most familiar, uh, we're most familiar with, and that's when she cried out, if you know it, would you say it? Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Now that's not funny, it was very serious, poor Mrs. Fletcher. But we remember it not so much because of the product, but because of the comedic punchline that has become ever since. Help. I've fallen. She didn't have one day of acting lessons, I don't think, but, but she became very famous. And see, that, that gives us hope, uh, Brother Larry. You can still become famous one day and, and uh, help I've fallen and I can't get up. But you know, working with people and, and the truth is ministry. I was talking with the staff the other day and been talking with the interns and, and um, just really been been thinking about this matter we call ministry. And, and I don't like the idea that sometimes is conjured up that, that um, uh, you've got full-time ministry that does the work of the ministry, and then you've got lay people. And, and I understand what we're saying, but, but I, I, don't, I don't like that because according to what I, I see Paul telling us, every man who's a Christian is to be a minister. It's just that God is blessed and some, and some who are able to do a little bit more have some freedom to do some things, but to whom much is given, much shall be required. But the truth of the matter is those who are paid to do ministry are not paid to do ministry so that no one else has to do ministry. 
In fact, Ephesians 4 tells us that God has given the church leadership to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry. And that equipping process, that perfecting of the saints, that equipping process is so that you can be involved in the work of the ministry. And it's called discipleship and discipling God's people. How, how can I be prepared to do the work of the ministry? Well, just like we have as our theme, experience God. Experiencing God. But one of the reasons that people are not involved in ministry work what is ministry? It's people. People work. It's not doing things. Everything we do, whether it's cleaning the bathroom or the toilet, that's something. It's never greater than the people that God has placed before us or that we're to be burdened for. We all have things we have to do. Martha was cumbered up about with much serving. She was anxious and careworn over things. But some reasons why people don't want to get involved in ministry and they keep themselves arm's length is because here's the truth of ministry is that it's messy. It's messy. Working with people is messy. And the reality is if you don't experience God for yourself and see God deliver you in the mess of your life, you don't want to get involved in the mess of other people's life. It's messy. Jesus Christ, the night before he went to the cross, the night before he was tortured, humanly speaking, more than mind could ever imagine. Do you think Jesus knew what he was about to go through? Yeah. But the night before he went to the cross, he called his disciples together do you think he knew which one would betray him? Sure did. Do you think he knew which one would deny him? Yeah, he told Peter, you're going to deny me. Do you think he knew that all of them would forsake him? Yet the Lord Jesus still got down on his knees. And he washed the disciples' feet. He wasn't just saying, here's how to serve. Though that's a great example, Philippians 2 tells us he humbled himself and made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant. But I submit to you that he got down on his knees because he's also telling us this is what ministry is about. The very ones who are going to stab him in the back, who's going to walk away from him, who are going to be ashamed of him, who will betray him, deny him, and forsake him. Jesus got down, and, and these men did not keep their socks clean. They didn't wear socks. These men had dirty feet. And he got down into the toe jam of these men, and he's telling them, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not going to give up on you. Ministry is not about giving people what they want. It's about giving them what God says they need. And Jesus is calling us to minister. But a lot of times people want to sign up for ministry. They want to sign up for the um, Peter preaching to 5,000 kind of ministry. They want, to, they want to sign up for the, 
Elijah seeing the firefall kind of ministry. I mean, those are the messages that are preached and the invitation is given. How many would say God's calling me to ministry? I want to see the firefall. I want to see 5,000 get saved. But the bulk of ministry is a mess. Isn't that what Jesus came to? He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And in the verse before that, Luke chapter 5, he says, they that are whole need not a physician. He says, if you're all put together, you don't need me. I've come to seek and to save those who are messed up and lost. And he's willing to get down into the mess of our life. I want to say we ought to be thankful every day, every one of us who have been saved, we ought to be thankful that he was willing to get down into the mess of our life and do something about it. So John chapter 5 is just a demonstration. And here Jesus comes along and I believe he's coming to this multitude of people who have all kinds of problems. They can't walk. They can't talk. They, they, they have all kinds of, uh, of infirmities. And, and yet Jesus comes along and he's asking this one man a question. But I believe he was asking this question to whosoever will. I believe Jesus walked into this multitude just because of the nature of Jesus and that we will never find him not responding to the cry for deliverance. I'm reminded of Psalm 34. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. I believe Jesus went throughout this pool in the multitude and he said, will you be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? You know, many times in churches across our, our, our country, I believe we could go into church after church and you'll find the same kind of scenario. And that is when the invitation is given. And by the way, an invitation is an opportunity to become a doer instead of a hearer of what we were just given. Because James chapter 1 says there's a danger in hearing it and not doing something about it immediately. And if we can't do something with it here, then what are the chances we'll do something out there? It's a mindset issue. If we can't do something here in the cultivated environment that is designed for us to become doers, what are the chances when you get out there with all the distractions that we're going to be doers? And so an invitation is a place we come and say, God dealt with me. He convicted me. He's pointing out something that's wrong. God challenged me to obey or to embrace something that's right. Or maybe it's a time to come and just say, I want to worship you a little bit more. I want to thank you for the power of the word of God. Whatever it is, we don't want to remain just hearing it because the more you hear Without responding, the harder your heart gets. Do you know that the same Bible that can melt one person's heart is the same Bible that can harden somebody else's heart? His name was Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said several times, I'm in charge. I will say no. Moses said, but God said, Pharaoh said, I don't know who you are. I don't know who your God is. Exodus chapter 5 I'm Pharaoh, I say no. And the Bible says Pharaoh said no, Pharaoh said no, Pharaoh said no. And then there was a point where God said, you've said no one too many times, now it's my turn. And the Bible says God 
harden Pharaoh's heart. Why? Because he was content just hearing without doing something about it. And so I believe you can go across our country and you'll find the same scenario that the people who respond in the invitations many times are just the same people over and over. Do you know when God speaks, He wants everybody to hear. When Jesus wanted to heal in John 5, He wanted to heal whosoever. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? And I believe he got near this man. And this man, Jesus, he, he really intensified the, the conviction. And I believe that God draws near to us in a service, in a message. How? As we draw near to him. And this man perhaps was showing some interest, was giving some desire. Yeah, I want to be made whole. So Jesus looks at him and he says, Wilt thou be made whole? I love that Jesus didn't ask. Would you like to be made a little bit better? Sometimes that's all people want. I just want to be a little bit. I just, I want God to bless me so I can keep doing what I'm doing. God's not a genie. He's not giving you some wishes. Do you know when it comes to Jesus' soul winning in the Bible... Just go through and you study Jesus' approach to soul winning. Nowhere does, I I won't make the dogmatic statement as I'm trying to think through the passages really fast in my brain. But many times, most of the time, you don't find Jesus saying, hey, would you like to go to heaven? Um, Do you want to keep from going to hell? No, he wasn't handing out a golden ticket to keep people out of hell and get them to heaven. Do you know how Jesus witnessed to people? Don't miss this. You look it up. You fact check, not fact check me. Don't, don't, don't call me names. Fact check me. Jesus said, follow me. Amen. Follow me. Do you, do you really think that everybody who says they believe in Jesus, really believe in Jesus? Jesus said, follow me. Do you know why we're struggling so much when it comes to this matter of morality here in America? Is because we've got people filled in our churches who do not follow Jesus. Jesus was the answer in John 5. Jesus is the answer in 2023. The, the criteria is... Follow me. See, we don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven. And if you knew anything about what the Bible says about hell, you wouldn't want to go to hell either. But Jesus said there's far more to it in salvation than just you getting out of hell. It's me. It's Jesus. It's not something. It's someone. And Jesus says to this man, do you want to be made whole? Now, this man, in essence, he is, he could be sitting here, and this is basically what you find in his answer. I fall and I can't get up. There's a lot of people today that are upon their cot. There's a lot of people, even God's people who have been saved, they're upon a cot and they, they can't seem to shake free. They can't seem to experience the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. 
They become entangled again in the yoke of bondage. They're on a cot perhaps of intoxication. They're controlled by something. When Ephesians in chapter number five says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled, controlled with someone, the Holy Spirit of the living God. And there are some people who can't shake free because they're controlled by something. It doesn't just have to be alcohol or nicotine. It could be caffeine. It could be something. It, the, the point is something else is dictating and controlling and we're bound to a cot of, I can't get free. Some are upon a cot of impurity. They've been bound by the plaguing of filth in their mind and bodies. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And David prayed in Psalm 101 and verse 3, he declared rather, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Remember David, he was the one who was channel surfing on the housetop one day and he came across the station of Bathsheba and someone can say, well, he couldn't help what he saw. We can't help what we see today. It's all around us. You can't go into the, the grocery store without seeing filth. That may be true, but you can't help whether you go back to that station. And there's a lot who are bogged down they're trapped, they're enslaved because of impurity. But I believe a great number of God's people, they're bogged down, they're upon a cot. And if they're honest, they'd have to say, help, I've fallen, I can't get up. They're on a cot. It may not be intoxication, drugs, or alcohol. It may not be nicotine, caffeine that's controlling their bodies and telling them what to do. It might not be impurity that's overrunning them. But I believe the great number, and this is the more dangerous group to me, it's people that are upon a cot of indifference. They're the ones who may say, I'm not as bad as, as those people over there. Indifference is the ones who say, well, I may not be perfect because I'm not in heaven, but I'm not going forward. I may not be, but I'm not signing up. I'm not going. I'm not going to get discipled. I mean, look at the discipler. I mean, they're worse than I am. Indifference is your problem. Yeah. Somewhere the Bible says, comparing ourselves with ourselves, it just ain't wise. And yet we somehow can justify that because, well, I'm, I'm a different story. I want to say to you, Jesus is still asking the question, do you want to be made whole? Or do you want to hang on to your cot? Your cot of indifference. If you are intoxicated and you're controlled by drugs, there's great hope for you this morning. If you're reeking with impurity because you wallow in the sewage of this world, there's great hope for you this morning. But if you've gotten to the point of, I don't need God, I'm not going to listen, and I don't care, there's no hope for you. Because the only hope any of us have is God. Amen. But until you're willing to humble yourself 
and draw near to Him, He will pass you by. And he passed by a multitude to get to this one without being made whole. And what was the man's response? The man said, in essence, here's what he is saying. Of course I do. I wouldn't be here if I didn't want to be made whole. But look at what he says. Sir, I have no man to help me. You know what he said? He said, our church is so sorry. They don't even have a program yet designed to help me. Yeah, and when I put my name on the list for the program, somebody else got there before I, I did, and they said they didn't have room for me. I've got nobody to help me get to church. I have no right. Sir, I, have, I wouldn't be here if I didn't want to be helped. But he didn't ask if you want to be helped. He asked if you want to be made whole. Well, I wouldn't be here if I didn't want to be made whole, but I don't have anybody to help. And then he says, when I do get to that pool, I get to that place where people say you got to get to, and I, and I experience what, what, what people are, are talking about, and I get close to it, and I get to the point where I'm about ready to get all in, somebody else gets in there before I do. Now, it's a little bit different scenario than what we have today because God says, um, you don't need to wait for an angel. You don't need for some stirring of the water. But don't miss what Jesus does. This man says, I want to be made whole, but I can't. Jesus says to him, now notice, Jesus said to him, look at it. Poor thing. I feel so sorry for you. No. Now, what we all are thinking is, I want a shortcut. Give me a shortcut. But God doesn't operate with shortcuts. Even taking the children of Israel from Egypt to the Red Sea, from one mess to another mess, that's the way we look at it. There were slaves in Egypt. It's a mess at the Red Sea. We look at it. Look at the mess I'm in. Do you know what God was looking at, what God was, was doing? God was taking them from one miracle to the next miracle. But God didn't take them the short route. Because they weren't able, they couldn't stand it. They weren't ready for battle, the Bible says. So he had to take them the longer route. He knew that they would faint if they saw the enemy. So they, God took them the, see, listen, we're always concerned about what time it, what, I mean, it's time for God to get through. And God's more concerned about timing. Amen. And God says, do you want to be made whole? Now, Jesus did not make it easier on this man. It's not easier. Jesus didn't say, let me organize a ride for you. Let me organize a committee. Let me pair you up with a disciple. Let me keep everybody back from the water and let you get into the water first. He didn't make it easier. Don't miss this. He didn't make it easier. He made it humanly impossible. Amen. Do you know what all of religion is about? It's about trying to find a way to God where I can do it. You know what salvation is? Oh, it's simple. But it's humanly impossible. Because we can do nothing. We can earn nothing. We can contribute nothing but our sin. Salvation is not about making it easier. Oh, it's simple. The simplicity is in Christ. 
But it's saying it's humanly impossible. Remember Acts 16, the Philippian jailer, jailer who about committed suicide? He was stopped by the men of God and the Philippian jailer was convinced of his need. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And their answer was, there's nothing you can do. There's a decision you must make. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's humanly impossible. Jesus wanted this man to see, if you're going to be made not helped, but whole, it's not going to be because of the, the fine committee you've organized here at this pool. It's not going to be because of the, the, the tactics and, the, and, and the, the technique. It's not going to be because of the system. It's not going to even be because of the angel. It's not going to be because you worked extra hard and diligent to get to the water first. It's going to be because of Jesus. Amen. Do you want to be made whole? Of course I do. I wouldn't be here. So Jesus says, rise. Take up thy bed and walk. Now let me tell you, this is not about feeling. This had everything to do with this man believing Jesus' word. And he trusted, then he obeyed. Sometimes whenever a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus to save their soul, they will ask, how is it supposed to feel? To which I've said, I don't know. It's not a feeling we go off of, though I'm glad for the feelings. They can come, but they can also go. But the fact of salvation, it never leaves. Because salvation is not something, it's someone. See, when you realize sin is your problem, hell is the consequence, Jesus is the answer, I don't want my sin, I don't want to go to hell, I need Jesus. It's all over but the shouting at that point. All you have to do is put your faith and trust and dependence upon the only one who died for you. Somebody said to me not long ago, I'm not for religion. They found out I was a preacher. I'm not for religion. I said, neither am I. <laughs> you can be religious and go to hell. Jesus didn't die to give you religion. You can burp that up and get over it. He died to save your soul, to enter into a relationship with Him. You want to be made whole? When it comes to the matter of salvation, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm doing the best I can. Well, you should if you're a human. Doing the best you can will never wash your sins away. Doing the best you can will never get eternal life. Doing the best you can will never get you to God's heaven. Doing the best you can is not salvation. Salvation is recognizing, I don't want my sin. I don't want to go to hell. I need Jesus. And then putting your faith and trust and dependence only upon Him. In the Christian life, we might find ourselves back on a cot. Jesus looks at us, I believe, each and every day. I'm still here today. Do you want my healing in your life? Do you want my power today? God, I'm trying, but I can't. 
He's not trying to make it easy. He's trying to tell us it's still impossible. Sometimes people don't get saved because they say, I don't think I can live it. <laughs> to which I remind them, of course you can. He never said you could. He saves you so that he can move inside of you. Aren't you glad that nowhere in the Bible do you see when God saves somebody, he tells them, hey, do the best you can till I see you in heaven. No, when, you, when a person calls upon Jesus to save them, what sets us apart from every religion that has ever existed is the one who does the saving, the founder of Christianity. When you call upon him to save your soul, he literally moves inside and he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And when you take your last breath here, you take your next breath in the presence of God in eternity, not because of who you are, but because of who He is. And so He asked, do you want to be made whole? And it's no different as God's children each and every day. I need, I need thee every hour. And when I realized the Christian life, it's as impossible humanly as getting saved was. But it's not too hard for Christ. Amen. Will you let God make you whole? You have a choice this morning. You need to be saved? Come, let us show you how you can be saved. You want to come and just talk to God? Have it. Have the time of your life talking to God this morning. Tell him you need his healing help. Don't be indifferent this morning. God loves you. He's for you. Let's stand together, please.